We are back with episode 33 of Night Shift. As you can listen in to all of the episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're also up at globalnews.ca and Megaphone. Lots to break down from this past weekend in the Ontario Hockey League concerning the London Knights. And We've got another voice here today. We have got Jim Van Horn joining Calgamart and Mike Stubbs here on the show. Jim, thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. It's fun been, to have a third voice here. This is like a game show. Yes, I've been. I just I've been wanting to get on this show all year, and finally my schedule allows it. Thanks for the invite. I'm looking forward to it. You know, it, it's funny, <laughs> Jim. Mike and I were planning on doing this podcast uh, on Sunday. But uh, we, as the week led up to it, we looked at each other and went, hold on, we're not going to release this on the day of the Super Bowl, which <laughs> kind of would have been, uh, it would have been tough. It also like timing wise, like there's, there could have been some events that move forward that maybe this wouldn't have been as up to date as it could have been. So it actually worked out because we got you on here as well. But Mike, you were talking about a game where the Knights actually played during the Super Bowl it was against Windsor and the outcome and the turnout for that game was much different than what you'd see at Budweiser Gardens today. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Now they were playing at the London ice house at the time, but they become proof that you really shouldn't go head to head with (laughs) the Super Bowl. And this is going back to 1996. So the Knights did play the Windsor Spitfires at the London ice house. And it was right opposite Dallas versus Pittsburgh. So things were very different. Remember, there were no smartphones. People could not be sitting there and checking the Super Bowl or watching the Super Bowl on their phones. There was no Wi-Fi at the London Ice House, Jim. We were lucky to have bits of insulation at the London Didn't Ice House. Did somebody rig up a TV, though, for you, Mike? You know, a couple things happened when we arrived to do that game. Steve Bell was doing it for Windsor. Both of us kind of stood there and tried to do a count of how many people were there. The announced attendance 1,613. That's impressive. 1,613 people. I think that's how many tickets were sold. We figured, though, there were at least around 800 or 1,000 people who did go. And this was to see a team that had only won twice to this point in the season. It was January the 28th, back when they used to play Super Bowls in January many months ago. So... The Spitfires ended up beating the London Knights by a score of seven to four. There were all kinds of shots on goal in that game. The teams actually combined for 80 shots. Frank Ivankovic played in goal for the London Knights. He's now a Molson rep. And if you want to see Frank now, you have to find the picture of Kawhi Leonard making the shot. And then if Kawhi Leonard is the center of the clock, look at about 11 o'clock about one person away from Kawhi Leonard. That's Frank Ivankovic, but he played for the London Knights. He had the claim to fame of going 0-18 as a London Knight goalie. He was acquired from the Oshawa Generals, but I got there and Bob Hammond, who was the Knights video coordinator at that time, had somehow, and I don't know how he did this, he brought in an old TV, so picture a little square TV with rabbit ears, and somehow he had that thing, and it was black and white. He had that thing positioned up in the press box where it was kind of duct taped to a couple of beams. And we were able to look over and it was a little snowy at times, but we were able to look over and watch at least bits of Dallas and Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know that anybody else found out that 
we had that because we may have had a few fans coming in to check every once in a while because, again, they couldn't find it on their phones. But that went head-to-head. It was the only game in North America going head-to-head, and I'm not sure any game in North America has gone head-to-head with the Super Bowl since. And and for good reason. And Frank has done great at 0-18 that year, but he's had a great career. So don't think that uh, the OHL defines you. And the next Ivankovic, Jim, is on his way. Yeah, he sure is. He's the top goalie rated for our uh, OHL priority selection this year. Jack is his name. Jack Ivankovic. Remember the name. He might even, somebody might even take a a shot at him. Low first round, high second round for sure. Gosh, that is, I I love going back and and hearing stories like that. No, uh, going against the Super Bowl, not a good idea. And just, I love getting the little snippet in there of uh, Frank Ivankovic. Also, we talked about this on the post-game show uh, night uh, on after the buzzer, sorry, on 980 CFPL, but best names in hockey. And we talked about uh, Amadeus Lombardi. Uh, Frank Ivankovic is right up there, in my opinion, too. I think that is a fantastic name. We'll have to do a best name like a good- podcast. At we got to... We got to find all the best names throughout history, whether it's like in the OHL or in, in the National Hockey League, but we got to come up with that because there are some great names that, that we need to bring up. Well, if we go just even Canadian Hockey League, Ivan Ivan plays in the QMJHL. He was a big hit at the World Junior Hockey Championships, too. That was uh, that was pretty fantastic. We've got a lot of things, like I said, to get into. The London Knights extend their winning streak to eight games. Uh, we got to talk about Sean McGurn and his fantastic week. Uh, the point totals, we're expecting some sort of player of the week performance based on what he did. Zach Bowen has a streak of his own we'll get into. And really, the Knights' six games and nine-day stretch could not have gone any better than how it did. And, and Mike, I'll throw it to you here, but, you know, the lights, the Knights go on the weekend. They went back-to-back games in convincing fashion, firstly at home on Friday against the Erie Otters. They did. They came out, and they started pouring in goals, and the pouring didn't really stop. And they won convincingly 8-1, and then they wind up going to Guelph to finish out 6-9 in nine against a Guelph Storm team that has played them tough. You look at what they've done in preventing the Knights from getting to the net. It didn't happen on Saturday, Jim. They got to the net. They put the puck in the net. They won. They did. It was so impressive. And I know McGurn's numbers are so big. And um, what I noticed in that game, though, as impressive as the numbers are, it does start in the defensive zone. One of the things that I noticed in every one of the centers made a really good, you could, if you kind of watch the video of the game, you'll see on the nights and, and this is a um, certainly I'm sure coming from the coaching staff, the centers, back deep, helping out the D. And in a couple of the goals, for example, Ryan Winterton playing beautiful positional hockey, helping the D down low and intercepted a pass, started the uh, rush the other way. Sean McGurn uh, going deep, helping out the D. You know, the old uh, coach is saying, if you're in trouble, create a puck battle. You're teammate will help you out. That's kind of the professional way. McGurn, uh, Isaiah George creates a puck battle. McGurn swoops in and the Knights are out. Uh, Jacob Julian did it too. You know, yes, the points come, uh, but uh, that's the way it it starts with uh, you watch those center icemen go back deep in 
to defensive coverage. That's where a lot of the uh, speed and transition comes from. Well, and I want to add off of that too. You know, this came off of a game in which, you know, they were at home against the Kitchener Rangers. And, you know, I think a lot of them would would tell you that it maybe wasn't their most complete game. You know, Kitchener always plays London Titan. London finds a way to win that game because that's just what they've done all year. But you could tell they wanted to come out on a better starting point and have a better complete game from start to finish and not just play a complete third period and, and find a way to win. And I think that's exactly what London did on Friday. And we saw that so often during this stretch. And can we look at this stretch as a whole? Because if you're to say to a team, you're going to play six games in nine days, I don't care who you're playing. You know, you could be playing Bill's Beer League team, and it doesn't matter. You're probably not going to win all six games because that's a tough stretch. And the fact that this team went out and did that, and not only that, they did it by outscoring their opponents. 37 to 13. So that's, it's, it's, well, I find it remarkable. The neatest thing going into this was the fact that they all got together as a team and decided before this stretch began, we need to have better starts. We need to elevate our game. It's that time of year. And then to see them actually go out and do it, that was really, really impressive. Guelph is a tough place to play. And uh, they, uh, continue to uh, really play so well on the road. Now, a lot, uh, quite a few of those games were at home, but to play the way they are on the road, wow. Um, they just are not bothered at all by being away. In fact, they seem almost uh, more focused and less apt to want to put on a show and uh, also a trait you want to have down the stretch and in the playoffs. Well, the fact that their road record, I believe, is better than their home record goes to show there's that uh, there's a few players that come out and say that they enjoy going on the road and silencing the home crowd and the London Knights this season. If there is a team that has stuck by that narrative, it has been them to a T. Yes, absolutely. And this is something that the Knights have prided themselves on in the past where you have to play well on the road at home sports has become a little bit different where you want to make sure you're also entertaining the home fans and the Knights make sure that they play some entertaining games at home on the road. You can really clamp down as much as hockey allows you to clamp down these days. And so the Knights maybe up that a little bit in their game on the road. And it's been really successful this year. And then you get the kind of goaltending they have had. The Knights have some size on defense this year that's really starting to show. They're going to be a difficult team to deal with in the playoffs for that reason because you've got guys like Jackson Edward. How much, Jim, has he added physicality to his game this year? Oh, yeah. And he's just so tough to play against. And it's one of those uh, things as soon as the puck drops. The opposition, okay, is, is Edward out there? Got to keep the head up, got to, uh, and he delivers some big hits and also just is that tough presence uh, down below the faceoff dot, pinning guys uh, down low below the net. You really have to be aware of him out there. And uh, that's, you know, that's going to ramp up uh, in, in the playoffs. There'll be a more physical uh, style of play, no inches given, and space will be hard to come by. And he's one of those guys that, makes that happen and Knights are going to need him in fine form uh, late in the season and in the playoffs. 
just a highlight in that Guelph game as well. Uh, Humphrey McGurn and Mayu three points apiece, really doing some wonders for the London Knights. And let's stick on Sean McGurn here. And we'll talk about Zach Bowen in a bit, who has really stepped up. But Sean McGurn has been sensational this season. Of course, he already has a, a career high in goals with 24 on the season. This week alone, just to put it in perspective, Sean McGurn had 13 points in four games. He is up to, I believe, 68 on the year, which is five off of his career high. And, you know, last year, maybe you could throw some credit to the fact that he was playing with Luke Evangelista and at times Antonio Stranges. But this year, you know, he's had a multitude of different line mates. It seems like he's stuck with, you know, taking on that co-captain and that number one center role. And he's thrived with so much change from one year to the next. He has, and the one thing that we can go back to is the growth of Sean McGurn. Here's somebody who came in and would be taking road trips with the London Knights, and he'd be doing the workouts with the guys who were not playing. And he would be in the gym on the road in a hotel in North Bay. And everything he did, he was committed to. Learning how to play along the wall, he was committed to that. He is somebody that is not going to have, you know, breakneck speed that is going to get the puck to the net, but he's got good speed. He is somebody that maybe doesn't have the hardest shot, but he's got a good shot. And everything he does is so very balanced. He does so many things well. And the way that he gets the puck out of tangles in corners, Jim, you mentioned it, centers coming back down low, helping out. McGurn is so good at once he pulls a puck out of a scrum, there are other sticks and bodies in the way, and he maneuvers through those just effortlessly, and he, he keeps plays going in the offensive zone because of his ability to make these little moves and dangle through guys and then find a play instantly. And that's something that goes maybe off the radar and it's an underrated ability he has it and you look at the way that he's been scoring creating this is a real credit to what he's done the work that he has put in from day number one when he wasn't getting into the lineup very much to right now where he is a co-captain and a big-time leader on this team and a leader offensively yeah 100 percent. and he embodies uh you know scouting has kind of changed a lot uh, well, a little bit over the years, but, uh, you know, I think nowadays, um, you know, there's a, maybe a difference uh, in traits at the top of a scout's list. And he embodies this. The two qualities, I think, that put a player in contention to play for the London Knights, compete level and IQ. And if you have that, we can work with you. And uh, your blazing speed, okay, well, you know, you don't, if you, you can overcome the lack of blazing speed or a big uh, body or a big shot, if you compete hard uh, and you have IQ, you have the ability to learn, it is the compete level. I'll tell you, it's harder and harder to find. And I don't know why. I'd analyze the sort of hockey at the youth 14, 15, 16 level like this now. It's become, uh, there's a lot of players, it's social media, they know each other, the dominance of the GTHL and how they change teams, play different terms. There's a lot of good friends out there. You know, all the guys know each other and I think it's resulted in, um, I don't know if it's, it's not that they don't compete, but it's like, well, you know, you take a look at, 
that that old competitive edge, maybe it's seen in the penalty minutes. Penalty minutes are way down from what they used to be, guys. It's uh, it's not friendly on the ice because they compete, but there's that extra com- competitive nature that the uh, I think the Knights look for and that McGurn has. He competes without trying to beat anybody up. Uh, he just competes in those game situations, and it's compete level and IQ with him. Well, I also want to mention on top of there too, he's one of those guys that when I watch him in warmups, what he does is he practices on awareness drills. So skating in the corners with his head up, turning with the puck on his stick, doing those little things that I think make up for the, you know, Logan Mayu has an NHL blazing shot. He can shoot a puck on the blue line and cleanly beat a goaltender in this league. He's that he's got that hard of a shot. Uh, defenseman Isaiah George can skate his way out of problems because he's such a smooth and skilled and fast skater. And again, we're not saying that Sean McGurn doesn't have those qualities, but it, you know, it might not be what stands out in his game, but I think what does stand out in his game is his awareness of everyone else on the ice, where to be in certain situations and his ability to control the puck with his head up. And he does so by practicing turning in the corners, which is sometimes the most dangerous spot on the ice. But because you're practicing those little intricacies like that, I think that goes a long way and elevates almost every other part of your game. It does. And it's something that you can follow along. It's something that, you know, inspires other guys and it shows the process. We've got Matthew Paris, Jim. Don't you think he played his best game or one of the best games he's played of the season on Saturday night? He's somebody that is on the same sort of road as Sean McGurn, similar skill set to Sean yep. McGurn, similar, you know, attributes to Sean McGurn. And I really think that we're going to see that kind of thing from Matthew Paris next year, the year after, that sort of thing. I agree. It's going to happen. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, the Knights do think they've got another kind of Sean McGurn in, in Matthew Paris for that reason. And uh, he may even have just an extra level of skill and, and, and finish uh, with him. But uh, it is exactly the kind of player the Knights kind of build their uh, team around and it create. And what it does is you watch how many turnovers the Knights rely uh, on a lot of their offense on that quickness, tenacity, smart, uh, and turning the puck over. And you look at the comeback against Kitchener, um, and it was tur- you know, forcing turnovers late in the game. In that third period when they came back, they forced Kitchener into turnovers to create their scoring chances. And that's what guys like McGurn and in the future Matthew Paris are going to do with, uh, with the skills that we've just described. Quickly, too, before we get to uh, in our next segment here, I also want to just <laughs> I want to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, we've the Knights have had a lot of really spectacular performances so far this season. And a one that I think they can all really lean on is the goaltender, Zach Bowen. He has come in this season as a rookie and done a whole lot of things we haven't seen since. Well, the other starting goaltender for right now for the London Knights. You know, it, we got to talk about some of these numbers from Zach Bowen because, you know, they're rivaling what. Their current starting goaltender has done this season. He is now 14 and one on the year. He has won 13 straight games, one short of his toll his win total on the entire year. He owns a 915 save percentage and a 2.56 goals against average. He's all doing this as a 17 year old rookie. Amazing really is. And, uh, 
you know, the whole story about how they uh, kind of spent a fourth round pick on him a year after his first year of eligibility, seeing something and a very creative uh, way to address uh, goaltending. And the Knights have done this over the years. Uh, you look at the great goalies they've plucked out of uh, unconventional uh, sources. It's really incredible. I wouldn't say it's unconventional, but taking a guy a year after in the fourth round, that's a bit unconventional. You don't see it often. And just seeing how he plays. And Kyle, you would know best, but just this combination of technical skill, athletic ability, and compete level all blending together with uh, this young man. And I, uh, I know that NHL teams are taking notice. He's calm and cool. He's athletic. Uh, those legs are springy and they really help him. He can handle traffic. He's got enough size and, um, you know, he's starting to handle the puck a little more confidently. The glove hand is coming along. That's kind of the, the last things to work on when you would, when you jump levels uh, in, in goaltending and uh, you know, he's got the whole package as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, and he really does. And you know, with a lot with goaltenders, you normally have one, of those three traits, or you have two of those three traits. I remember the one thing for me was I, you know, I could compete. I had a little bit of the athletic ability, but technically that was the one area that I had to work on quite a bit for him. You're right. He's got all three of them going for him. And it's really fun to watch when you're, when you're a spectator, you're a fan, you're everything else in between and getting a chance to see the combination that Zach Bowen does have where, yeah, he competes, he's technically sound and he is incredibly athletic. He's also a big guy too, which just adds to the impressiveness. That is how athletic he is for a bigger goaltender. And that he's only 17, he's going to get bigger, he's going to get more technical. Everything that you're seeing from him right now, I feel like is going to grow as a goalie. You know, you don't normally have those traits and then digress or uh, digress, sorry. So you're going to have a lot more to build off of, especially after a rookie season. And Jim, you talked about this on the broadcast on Friday and on Saturday. Zach Bowen, with the injury to Brett Brochu against the Flint Firebirds, has now had three games against Kitchener. Very difficult game coming back against Erie and then against a tough Guelph team that will get in your kitchen. They'll put guys in front. They'll get big bodies, and they will bump into you throughout the game. 31-save victory over Kitchener, 32-save victory over Erie, and then 25 saves in a win over Guelph. Two of those saves were unreal. Here's one of them. Cam Allen carries it deep. Mayu stops that up. Taken, though, by Shugan. Back out to Murray at the left point. Murray, middle of the blue line to Shugan. Top of the left circle. Side of the net. McFarland chips it in front. Huge save. Zach Bowen. Diving across his crease, Rob's Cam Allen. So that is Zach Bowen coming across the crease, absolutely robbing a goal from the Guelph Storm at a key moment in the game. And Jim, you talked about the fact that he can no longer look over to the bench and see Brett Brochu sitting there. What does that mean? Well, there's a mental uh, strength that it demonstrates. You know, it's not like Brett Brochu is going to come in and help me out. Uh, or, but there's always that, um, I don't know, that feel good, uh, Brett's there or whatever. Then, uh, scouts always want to see a goalie who owns the net. How do you respond when you're the person in that net and you've got, it's just you and you're on that Island. And I especially like the way he reacted to the Kitchener game where some things didn't go his way. The goal that goes in off the linesman skate or whatever, 
Um, and it goes in. That's devastating. Could potentially for a goaltender, but he responded with a strong finish to that game, and then he bounced right back. If you can kind of shape, and uh, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest mental uh, things in a in a goalie's toolkit is that uh, short memory, right, Kyle? You you something goes wrong, doesn't matter. You play the next shot. Easy to say, tough to do. Uh, that, and that's exactly the point. It's easy to sit there and go, ah, just forget about it, move on to the next one. But when it's a goal that you know is a bad bounce or one that you would love to have back if you just did that one little thing differently. And as you get better as a goaltender, the more and more you think you can stop every single shot thrown your way. And you've got to learn as a goal. It's almost like a humbling of yourself where you've got to just know Listen, you're not going to stop everything. Shooters are way too good now. The game is way too fast, way too advanced. Yes, the goal equipment's bigger. Yes, goalies are more technical than ever. But players are so good now. You're not going to stop everything. So you've got to be able to let it go, even if it's a shot that goes off the stanchion and finds a way back into the net. you got to be able to forget that and move on. Again, much easier said than done because you're you're competitive. You're you're growing. You're a you're a goaltender in the Ontario Hockey League who is one at that point. What was it? Uh, Eleven straight games going into Kitchener, and you want to prove to yourself for ten straight games. You want to prove that you can stop every single thing, and you want to prove you're living up to the numbers that you have right now. So it's it was a very mental fortitude where after he gave a few, he still made over 30 saves on the game, and now he's wound up, won his next two, and now he's won 13 straight. Nice little luxury to have. Two goalies that you can put into the net, and you're getting similar results no matter who's standing there. I believe that does it today for the podcast. We've caught up on just about everything. Uh, the Knights take their eight-game winning streak into Kitchener. That is tomorrow for Valentine's Day. You can listen to the game on 980 CFPL, and then they are back home to take on the Sarnia Sting on Friday, February 17th. That is the first of a home-and-home, home, where then uh, London will go into Sarnia on the Saturday. That Friday game is promoting uh, all of our wonderful women who are along with the London Knights organization and are a part of sports. That game is going to be... Uh, um, all female featured. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you are involved in that game and you get a chance to watch it. You can listen to both contests and we'll go over Tuesday's matchup on Thursday, Mike, and then preview the weekend. Sounds great. Jim, great having you. Please come uh, back. Oh, please have me back. This is awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. We share it on up all of our socials as well at Stubbs 980 with two B's at Calgamard G R I M A R D. That does it for night shift. We'll see you next time.